0: have to switch switches on right it's like it's all right you guys you you ready to start well somebody at least one person turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 we're going to be reading verse 14 through 20 does anybody is anybody a good reader in here Any good readers? Anybody? Come on up. Check, check. Ephesians Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 20. See, I I have to substitute myself. I'm not as good of a reader. I'm just playing.
1: When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think.
0: Amen. All right, y'all, that was the word of the Lord, as Brother Tim says. I like it when he says that. makes it feel official. So, It is official. He has it on lock. So when we look, today is a transition sermon. We are transitioning from where we've been to where we're going. And we're going to see some cool things in the future, which I'll explain at the end. But this is called Empowered to Pour Out. We all have been knowing that we're talking about discipleship. And can you get into the review slide? So last week we went over, I... Gave you guys probably a lot of information, right? It's only a little bit. And pretty much I unloaded pretty much all the topics you go over for discipleship in a base, very simplified version. But really the categories go down to spiritual health, family health, finances, physical, professional, leadership, identity, and history. Can any of us use any help with any of that? And so it's like, it, it, when we look at that, discipleship is not for just one group of people, it's for all of us. We never stop needing discipleship. But the fact is is that like we as people think discipleship is just a program where we learn. but actually discipleship is us walking with each other, us seeking to have more God, for us to facilitate a relationship that is actually bringing us deeper into God. And the truth is, is most of the time, it uses different people than us. People that, you know what, it might cause conflict. It might cause problems. It might cause pain. It might even cause both parties to look dumb. But the truth is, is, what glorifies God is that we both bow before God, and we seek him, and we all, like, it's a place that actually, in all of our hearts, we start humbling to see him, because It's not that we're the same that grows us. It's actually that we're different that grows us. And that's actually what glorifies him in spiritual health, where I'm pretty sure that if me and Tim sat down and read the Bible, me and him read it differently, because we are two different people who receive differently. If we were to talk about physical health, well, I would say that, like, of course, I exercise differently differently. Then Jonathan, if you guys have ever seen Jonathan, Jonathan is like super skinny. So it's like Jonathan loves to run. Do you know how difficult it is for me to run? I can run. I run fast, but only for very short distances. That's a lot of weight to carry. But my point is is that we all are examples and partners with God, but very different. And it's actually as we collect together, as we see in Ephesians, it says that, Together, we can actually bring forth the maturity. It's not, it's not like me as a separate person, I can come to maturity. It's that actually when I collect with Brother Walt or with Sister Alice, that it's like this place where because we're unified, there's going to be places that they will sharpen me, they will challenge me, they'll have me look at things different. And my point of view and my strengths will still be their strengths, too, because we share a testimony. But also my weaknesses will be covered and raised up. Amen? Okay, next slide. So for today's sermon, you guys heard what we're, we're going to go over, Empowered to, to Pour Out. It's really like, this is like the apex sermon of the whole sermon series. Do you guys remember what the sermon series is called? Given to Give empowered to poor. kind of similar, right? <laughs> but okay, so the illustration is this. How many of you guys have ever been told how to drive by somebody who doesn't drive? <laughs> or let's let's, just, let's switch it up a little bit. How many of you guys have been told directions and this is really what the illustration is is been told directions by somebody who's never been to a place. Yeah. You remember? So like when I I really get irritated by that. It's hilarious. They'll start telling you landmarks that don't exist. like They're like, you know, the 7-Eleven on the corner, uh, you go about four blocks past that, and then you take a right, but then you take a left at the next corner. I am like, I don't see a left. (laughs) And then you get lost, right? But the truth is, is also they just have no context of distance. They might have seen a map at some point, but they themselves have never been to this place, right? So, do they really know how to give you real directions on how to drive to that location? No. You're better off just using the app, you know, the magical one that tells you exactly how many feet before your turn. But what about when you, you've actually been somewhere and you've actually, like, you actually have a relationship with that place, you've been there? Do you know how to get there? At least a little bit better, right? It's kind of like when you've been there, you can give directions. Oh, it's like right over here, blah, blah, blah. And you can give a general area without like really looking at it. What about when you've actually lived there? I hope you guys can give directions home. If not, I know there's medication that helps with that. You know, it's like (laughs) in reality is as we live somewhere, we dwell it, we know the neighborhood, we start recognizing places, it starts becoming normal. And then finally, it's like in this place where we see that when we start working in an area, what do we we start seeing? We start seeing all the little landmarks, all these little places, all these little businesses that are happening that we can actually interact with. And then finally, it's kind of like, what places do you use in that neighborhood? As you go from living in a place, to working in an area, then to participating with the businesses in the area, you all of a sudden know the area really well, and your directions are really clear. Now, I know that was super obscure, right? Let's go to one that's a little bit, some of us, how many of us have either A, had kids, or been around somebody who's had kids? Okay, you ready? How many of you people were told how to raise your kids, are given suggestions by somebody who didn't have kids. How much did their suggestions really help? Now, we're polite, so we don't tell them, you don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? But we're, we're fanking it, you know? In reality, when we have kids, everybody magically, as you become pregnant, and it, it shows, specifically women, my lovely wife had this, they reach out and it's almost like they gravitate towards the belly first of all. But then the second part is all of a sudden magically everybody has an opinion. And it's like the belly warrants and gravitates their opinion towards you. <sighs> and so as we talk about that, it's very much similar to our topic today. There's a lot of people who have opinions about things they've never participated with. And as they, they think they gravitate towards it when they see somebody who's about to participate with it. But then, as we do participate with it, there's questions like, it gets really uncomfortable. You wanna know how you could tell if there's a brand new parent or not? They start talking about poop. I swear, it's like, they, how many of you guys recognize this? When you guys had your baby and they started eating different and the poop changed, how many of you guys talked about poop, right? You guys know the only reason why you're laughing because you know it's true. And then you felt awkward and you're like, man, only parents can understand me. And at that moment, it's like as we participate, we recognize regular problems of what we're going through become normal to us. And then so what ends up happening is we have this relationship with what we're interacting with. And as we relationship, we dwell with it. Because at first, it's overwhelming, right? You guys remember when you guys weren't sleeping? Man, it was terrible. I don't know about you. I was ready. I was like, I brought this life into into the world. I might take it out. <laughs> I'm just. But the truth is, is that we don't sleep, and it 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 gets us right. And then you look as we've dwelled. Then we learn what the different sounds mean, the different cries mean. We get what the different feelings are. We know how to meet that need. And then it's not like this big giant thing that like. But we can actually like hear another kid cry, and we can be like, that kid's hungry, oh, that kid's tired, you know? That kid really, really just wants to be held right now. And we actually have an understanding and a way to meet with it. But then it's kind of like we also can see what we want for other kids as we raise our own kids for what we didn't have or when we see those places. And finally, we actually get to participate with other parents in a way that we could have never participated with them if we didn't go through that struggle of being pooped on and peed on and thrown up on ourselves, you know, knowing, oh, sorry, oh, I, I know what you need, a Starbucks drink. <laughs> you know, it's like, in reality, we see that it comes down to, go ahead and go to the next slide, this empowered to pour out comes from a place where we have a relationship first with something. We build this relationship with something. Then, Christ empowers us. Christ empowers us. And then the third thing that happens is Christ dwells, and we start learning the substance of his love. The next thing is then Christ is working in us. So far, there's no work that we're really doing. The only work you're trying to do is just trying to survive. And then the final thing is our participation. So Christ has done all this work, now it's our turn, right? All right, you guys know what time it is. I just I just went from really obscurity comedy show to outline the the sermon. Now it's your turn to testify. You guys ready? Bump, 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 testimony. Who's gonna testify? Don't make me have to choose it. You guys know I will. We'll get real uncomfortable. I don't think this mic is. I think, oh, there we go. I get it from two directions. Okay, so who's gonna testify today? Anybody feeling it? Anyone? Oh, here we go.
2: well um i have spent the past two weeks probably more frustrated than i've ever been in a long time trying to get walton i scheduled for our COVID shots and uh one day i got i was on line and on the phone one day i spent six and a half hours on the phone and was hung up on walton and i played phone tag we were trading back and forth I've been on my computer probably I don't know how many times finally got him scheduled and then went down to the um, um, uh, center the Convention center and for them to tell me that he wasn't scheduled um, so, so I had a time and a date and everything so anyway I thought oh my gosh I'm not a very patient person anyway but then I got to thinking which I'm sure God revealed to me. If I pursued God the way I pursued this appointment, I would have been blessed beyond. And I was robbing myself of that because I haven't. And it was just a good reminder that the more time we spend with God and the more time that we take for him, the more blessed we'll be and the closer we'll be to him.
0: Amen. Woo! Oh, yeah. Great to spit in that file. All right, who's next? One more, come on y'all. All right. Three. Two. One. Okay. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. The awkwardness is building. I like how Pavi's sitting in the back with his eyes closed. (laughs) He's like, if I don't look at him, he won't choose me. I'm just playing. I don't feel the anointing on Pavi right now. Let's have Rich come on up. By the way, Rich is new here, but this brother has joined us with amazingness. So is his wife, who they're both blessings to us.
2: Well, hello, everyone. Um, It's great to be here, let me tell you. Um,
0: I feel uh, the spirit of God here, and I know that uh, in my spirit that we're on the right track. So um, I just want to testify to that, that uh, as unlikely as that seemed a few months ago, um, here we are. And uh, uh, the road in front of us has got a lot of clarity that... uh, hasn't
1: been there, and I just praise God for that. So I'm looking forward to getting to know all of you, and my wife back there, Denise, is uh, also wanting to get to know everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. woo Hey, Denise, why don't you come up here real quick, too? We're going to get a bonus one. Come on, Denise. You can't get out of it. You know, what's he said, my Denise, my Denise wants to meet you, too, I was like, you know, well, you got to come meet her then. <laughs> you thought it got away from it.
3: <laughs> people who people who know me don't really know that I get very shy at sometimes, and so here I am, feeling one of those moments. But you know what Rich said is really true. Um, it's been a couple <coughs> years since we've been in a in a church and as um, regular attenders, and we've been attending. Um, the prodigals group for about a month and a half. And um, we know, Angie and Tim know, that the Lord himself called us and said, you ought to be here. And that he actually, he invited us here through Angie. I know that beyond doubt. That Rich and I didn't decide... Let's go to Glenfair Church. It's about a half an hour drive from our house. And, you know, we don't know anybody in the community. We don't know any of those businesses that Stefan's talking about. But let's go give it a try. That's so far from our reality you can't even imagine. So the fact that we're here because God called us here is our testimony. And we'll stand on that and are really excited to see what he has in mind because it wasn't our idea. But we sure know it's his idea and it matches what he's called and laid on us to do.
0: Yeah. It's true. I knew I was getting I was getting the second half. Oh, I should get off this mic. I got a mic in front of my my ear. I forgot. I haven't been wearing the wearable mic for a while, so thanks, Rich, for that too. Okay, so I want us to start. Even jump into this real quick, what feed in is so last week we talked about this idea that we're not projects. You guys aren't here to be fixed, you guys aren't here to end up in a place that you are somebody and you're never gonna make it to a level where all of a sudden you're all better. The beautiful part is everybody in here is a process. Say with me, I'm I'm a process. You wanna know why that's beautiful? Because that means that you're guaranteed tomorrow you're going to have more God. And so it doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean anything. It literally means there's more for you. And the gospel says that's true. And as all of us participate with our process, we're given identity. And our identity starts reaching deeper and wider. And it almost always brings us into uncomfort you remember I said the gospel is offensive? So the truth is, is wherever God brings you will offend you. If it doesn't, I question if you're really experiencing the gospel. Because the gospel says you're not good enough. You're not, you don't have enough. And that's the hard part of the gospel because Jesus, us needing Jesus is against everything that we've built ourselves on. That's the hard part. The good news part is it's his pleasure to do it. And the one who's saving us is a good God. But as we're given this identity, we start building a relationship with God. And this relationship with God really starts enveloping us. So that's where we start today. So in Ephesians three fourteen through 15, it says, For this reason, grabbing the greatness of this plan by which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ, I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, God the first and the ultimate Father. So really we find ourselves in a precarious position where ultimately our walk in relationship starts with submission. It's unlike any other relationship because the truth is he's greater So it positions us ultimately for this interaction that we actually have to see, this is actually better. So in developing the relationship, the only way to actually gain intimacy from it is actually to see that it's better. And to start with the place that, in reverence, I bow my knees. Do you get what that means? If you don't, it means like this. It's like saying, think about your worst day. Your worst day. I want you all to picture it in your mind. Your worst day. Then think about every answer and everything you needed on that day standing right in front of you. How good is that idea? Like, really, Christ and God standing before us is every solution to every problem. It's every placement that is afraid would be secured and identified and seen in love. The goodness of God is so much of an overcomer that it's like looking on the sun, except for the sun hurts our eyes. So when we look at God, it's like in reality we're actually being able to intake something that's so much larger and so much more powerful and so much more radiant than we ever can fully even understand. And as we are in submission with this greatness... We actually are adopted and into family. And this place is, is, even though some of us are ragtag like myself, I mean, I'm a ragtag individual, you know, it's a little, I'm a little wily, we end up getting family. We end up getting closer. And the truth is, is that in this family, sometimes things are going to be awesome. You know, sometimes it's not. And the way that we love each other in those moments really is a place that ends up being something that defines things. It starts showing you a real God who's alive. And then what ends up happening is it actually teaches you what real inheritance is. Because you know what inheritance is not? Inheritance is not works. It's not you earning something. Because that wouldn't be inheritance. That would be you working and earning. Inheritance is a gift given to you. Passed down from a generation to the next generation. In that place, we are inheritors from God. Which means that we don't have to work for this gift he's trying to teach us to receive. And as we are in this relationship, he actually teaches us the gift he's giving us. And we learn to not work for something else. But as we also see that, we learn a placement. Placement. And that placement's like we said, that house you live in. It's like the baby that you have. It's like, it's like looking for the COVID <laughs> vaccine. You're finding your place that you fit in to get in. But the thing is, is it, it has, there's some parts where it's not universal. We don't all look the same. So we all have different placements. Go ahead and go to the next slide. And as we, so we have this submission, we have this family, we have this inheritance, this placement, then Christ's empowerment comes in. I love this picture, by the way. It's an ant holding up this branch, which I'm like, that's so gangster. But it says, may he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self. So is he saying that your, your outer self is going to be strengthened? Not particularly, he's saying this inner man, this, the courageousness, the spirit, the, the, the placement inside of you, the desire to do something different. It's funny how when we start actually feeling seen or we feel supported or we feel the hunger or we feel the question or we see the possible inheritance and there's possible hope, how much more likely are we actually to step into something we're scared of? But also, how much quicker are we also to make an excuse for why we shouldn't? So we all should, like, in this place where Christ is empowering us, he's actually he's trying to push us over the, the boundary line to say, you know what, there's real places where we can make, we can make it about the old man and where we struggle, or we can, we can dive into the new man and learn how to do it imperfectly like everybody else. And so he empowers us by his strength, not by ours which allows us to do things that we wouldn't believe we could ever do like for instance a woman having a baby or like making it a week and a half on three hours of sleep you know in reality you didn't think you could make it you know but the truth is you made it you're still here and the baby made it I'm sure. I'm, I'm making jokes I, it's real experience <laughs> i had to speak in tongues and and, and build myself up, you know, it was, it was like, Lord, give me strength. Number three is then we end up in a place where Christ is dwelling and the substance of his love is exper- experienced. Now, this is what I'm going to spend a little bit of time on because this is such a key part of our walk with God. The first one, in some ways, is Easy. Because as you experience it, the only hard part is submitting to it. But really, it's so good. It, it's like it's like one of those like Disney films. It's so romantic and so awesome and so cool that you're just on the adventure. It, you don't recognize the hard parts. The second part is also easy because literally all you're doing is receiving, being empowered. This is where it starts getting a little dicey because... It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and may, and may you have been deeply rooted and securely grounded. in. Oh, wait. Why is it that part? Oh. So when Christ dwells in you, he teaches you about love. And there's a place where he starts really starting developing this idea. And the reason why it's dicey is we come from an imperfect world. We come from a world where love sometimes means being, being being used, being other things in love, like you know lust, or like really love can be that fairy tale. It's romanticized. It's afraid. It's it's trust that, and nobody really is very comfortable trusting sometimes. But ultimately, it's like Christ comes in and he teaches you about deeply secure love. I don't know about you guys, but that scared me. Sometimes it still scares me. It gets real, and it's like, <sighs> it's like that, that, like that show. I mean, have you guys ever watched that? I mean, I'm a, I'm a millennial, so there's this YouTube guy who says, what would you do? And it's like, it sets up these impossible situations where, that are always uncomfortable. Like, my, my favorite one was about the Confederate flag, and this guy's wearing a Confederate flag, and it's like, how would people react if a person came up and started blowing up on this guy. And it, it created all these experiences. In that same way, it's like God comes up on us, and it feels like we're on a reality show that we're set up. Because it's like, oh, they're playing a game on me. They're playing a prank on me. I don't, I don't even know how to experience this love. But his position there is actually to teach us about love, to undo our worldview. And then we go to 3.18, and it says... Be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints. How many of the saints? That means us in this room. God's people, the width and length, height, depth of his love. Fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. The reality is, first, he came to teach us love. But the reason why it says all the saints is because in reality, I need Alice to help me see parts of love i don't understand i need brother walt to help me see parts of love i would never comprehend i need brother tim murphy over there brother stands real still he's like that is love that i would struggle with and got to challenge me the truth is is like as we dwell together for us to understand the length and width and depth of his love There's a reality I need to be challenged to look at the depth, width of myself and be come to a place that ultimately is seeing, you know, this is what I believe. This is the depth of what I believe. This is the width of what I believe. This is as far as I see God. So what does that mean? It means like the lessons and the experiences and the things that are happening, we need to stretch it out and see exactly how far it goes. We need to see not just how much this applies to my situation now, But we actually have to really fight for ourselves and receive from other people's fights. How far can we stretch this to see exactly how big our God is? How good our God is? How many things does he cover? How many things does he impact? Where is he? What is he trying to do? How endless is his love? And then as we're experiencing that stretching of it, as we're seeing it before us, it's like you also another example, you, you remember that green goo stuff that like, you could stretch? Yeah, Gak. It's like if we stretched out Gak, we want to see exactly how far it'd go before it snaps. And in reality, we, as we do that, we actually get to experience something that we protected ourselves from. Because the whole reason why we didn't believe is because that area has been hardened over, died. Go to the next verse. So, as we go through discipleship, we learn the substance and the size of God's love. The truth is, is it challenges us and sees something so different within our story and other stories. Otherwise, we just live by our worldview, right? We end up in a place where it's like everything means what it meant to me in my worldview. But in discipleship, when it starts challenging you within those seven categories, right? is it challenges us to see it, both from a biblical point, but also from another human's point of view. And where that's challenging is, guess what, humans are imperfect too. So guess what, they might get it wrong sometimes. But it's how we learn to be both graceful. How do you learn grace and mercy? You do it only by giving it. The truth is, is that we don't grow in mercy and grace, which are demanded by Christ. Forgiveness is demanded by Christ. We don't, get, we don't grow in it unless we are able to give it. And in that place, as we are going through discipleship, it's not about having a perfect relationship or even one that somebody can teach us. It's one that can be facilitated and we walk closer and closer to Christ. That's the goal. And as we do that, we see his love more deeply. We see, his, we see his heart more deeply. We see his character more. And then as we read in 319, "...and that you may come to know practically and through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge, without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives." completely filled and flooded with God himself. How many of us want that? You know? I mean, in reality, there's a place where I gotta say there's parts of Scripture I have no comprehension of what it actually means. I can tell you a whole teaching about what some of those ideas are and what commentators say and what the Greek and Hebrew mean, right? But in reality there's some of those ideas I have no context for. I, I don't know how it applies to this world. I could say how it applies within my brain, but it'd be a lie to say that I've experienced every scripture of the word, that I look like every part of the Bible. Can anybody else in here say that? Can we say that everybody in here, like, don't we want to be flooded with God himself? How much? Like, how much of us? Do you want just like a piece, or do you want the whole thing? I want the whole the whole thing. I want it like when you open up a, 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 ba- a new bag of Oreos, I want that whole bag, you know? I don't want just one Oreo, I want the whole bag. You know, <laughs> the fat man in me, you know? It's like, <laughs> in reality though, it's just like, it's like I want the whole thing of his experiences, the riches of that experience. That is so much bigger than me it actually forces me to expand and ultimately it only comes through a practical experience your mind is not powerful enough to change your spirit or your heart no matter how much you understand no matter how much you comprehend no matter how many times you read the bible in completeness if you're not being flooded by god and being challenged by his presence you will not be transformed to look like those words. And the beautiful part is as we go through discipleship, we have Christ, and the center is his love, and we're stretching it, and we're being forced to look at it through our story, through the ways it unfolds, right? It makes us have to experience things practically that we either choose to participate with or we'll choose to harden ourselves from. Because all of us have to learn a philosophy first. Everybody in here can philosophically talk about something. But there's a difference in being able to experientially participate with it. It's like people can philosophically talk about Gordon Ramsay's cooking. But Tim's the only professional cook in here. You know what I mean? In reality, he can make those garnishes that look pretty like that. I can't do that. I I make it, and it looks like a three-year-old put that stuff together. It might taste good, but it's not, like, organized. You know what I mean? And in reality, we have philosophies in our brain that we think will play out the way that we think about it. But because we don't have the personal experience that we've walked through, it's actually not something we've expanded and become. It's only an idea that lives in our brain. Amen? So when it comes to applying love, Love can only transform the parts of your life that it stops being a philosophy and starts becoming an experience. So then comes that we have to participate with it, experience it, be filled and driven by it. It's like we have to learn how to value it because when love first comes, it's kind of like, Whew, this is this is crazy. I guess I participated with it. What does this even mean? What's the value of this thing? What's the purpose of this thing? What is it supposed to do? But as we start seeing it, it's actually witnessing God himself. It's reevaluating our value system. It's saying, whoa, this experience is real. This is real, this is not a one-time thing. Even though my experience for years has said that this is fake. Even though my experience for years has said that I am this identity. Because I had this experience, it's bought me. How much am I willing to change to keep participating with this? How much, how much is it worth? Wh- will, I, will I keep drinking from the well? Or will I pretend that that one drink was enough? It's like, it's like, will I have a big steak sitting in front of me, take one bite from it and be like, this is the best steak I've ever had, but I won't keep eating it? Or will I break that thing down? and eat it down to the bone. And the truth is we got to see how that value changes of it so that we can be filled by it. Because unless we are willing to fight for it, we will not be filled by it. But then we also have to learn how to value it even when it threatens our own personal value and our own safety. Because God who is amazing and who can who's a it said that he's Beyond our understanding. His love is larger than our understanding, right? So that means it's dangerous because we don't control it and we don't understand it. So that means at some point this thing that we're seeking to value is going to be bigger than us. It's going to be scary because we don't control it. And ultimately it's going to feel out of control, which means that we're going to have to trust something. And we're going to have to choose to value it more than our comfort and our safety. But... As I said, there's a, as you see up there, it says a rule about the way Christ works. It says, now to him who is able, carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask to think, in def- infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams. According to his power, that is a work within us. What is this rule that Stefan is talking about? Well, the first part of this rule is God's going to carry out his work. I think that's a really easy part for all of us to accept, right? I don't really think about us breathing here in this moment. I don't think about the water and all the molecules and all this stuff that's held together. In reality, God's working all the time. I can accept that. Easy. He can do extravagantly. I can buy that, right? God does great things. There's things that have blown my mind in my story. That's an easy rule to understand. Then it comes to the next one, is that, in fact, he is extravagant and he'll do his work, but he's going to do more for you and do more work to you than you could ever ask for, you could ever dream, and you could ever believe. In that place that actually... In this place that more than we can believe, more than we can understand, more than we even understand right now, more freedom than we believe is possible, he'll work in you. You could be in the middle of that project right now inside of yourselves. Right now, that God who lives by this rule that says that he actually can do infinitely greater than you could ever believe, than you could ever hope for, you could ever dream, will work in you. He will work in you. And we could all be in that process right now, that he's actually working in a place that we don't believe, that we don't dream, and we don't hope for, but he still hopes for us. Amen? So how does Christ work? It says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. I love this verse. This place at first starts with a placement. You are put in and hidden in Christ by his blood. Covenant, it's a promise. It's this place where he's now promised where he will abundantly be that God who works in you. He will save you. He will expand you. He will love you. He will grow you. That depth is promised to us. That depth of love that goes beyond even our fears, our inadequacies, our placements, our our dreams, our hopes, that love still is bigger. That love is bigger than this world. It's just like the sun. It looks like a little orange in the sky, but the truth is, is it's about ten times the size or a hundred times the size. I forgot how big, much bigger. I'm sure my five-year-old knows better than I do. You know, in reality, is like the sun is so much bigger, but our concept of it is it's only can fit in our hand. In that same way, our God's love is that same exact way. It is so much larger than us, but because it's distant at times, it feels like it's still we can control the amount that it is by placing it in our hands or not looking at it. But in this place, this covenant is that he promises to work in us. He promises to be with us. He promises to hold us, to guide us. But then, as he does this, his power comes into us for his people. And because of all that, God does two things. This is how God works. You ready? You ready? God works in people, and God works through people. You know what that means? God works in you to change you, to look like him, and then he uses you to show himself to others. So guess what? That means that place that he's trying to expand your hope and dreams and heal you and change you, he's going to use the actual human being to do it. It means that you actually might be the representation of Jesus that people need. His work in you is to make you a model of him. Because you are the greatest testimony of the word and of God that anybody will read. I think Jamie says that. I don't know who she's quoting. But that just came in my mind. But the truth is is that there's a real place that people will continue to talk about you even long after they talk about our Christ. It's funny. It's like we want people to talk about Christ, right? Well, then maybe your character should come into order. Maybe you should let the work in your heart actually take place. Because the truth is is as people talk about you, they'll be able to talk about you and the God that impacts you the God who's touching you a lot easier than they can talk about your God because they can step into an experience of you, but they can't instantly accept an experience of your God. But what's crazy is, is that because God lives in us, he's the one empowering us, he's the one changing us, the person they're actually being experienced by, the person that they're actually touching is no longer you as long as you're letting that work happen and Christ work in you. It's actually God that they're experiencing. It's not that difficult. It's simple. Just be what God is challenging you to be. It's not that you have to go make yourself somebody spectacular. It's not like you have to go make yourself a doctor. It doesn't make yourself some holier-than-thou person. Go talk to everybody in the room. Talk to the one person. Love that one person hard. Love them like God loves you. Encourage them like God encourages you. But if God is like the challenger, guess what? You're going to be challenged to be a challenger. If God made you a worshiper, guess what? You're going to be pointing out, hey, ain't God great? Isn't God awesome? If God weeps with you, guess what you're going to probably be doing? You're going to be weeping with people. If, If God loves to be in a place where he's just like art and creative and beautiful, that's not me. But the truth is, it's beautiful that it's you. And you guys can go be hippies together. I'm just just playing. Hopefully I didn't offend nobody, but I'm just saying. It's beautiful. It's great. If God is singing with you and singing a song over you, which I believe he sings over all of us, what does that song sound like? Because you can only explain the song that is being sung over you. But as he works in you and works through you, He's equipping us all. He's equipping you with himself. He's equipping you with everything good, that we may do his will. He wants us to be equipped to do his will, and his will is to love. And he works in us that which is pleasing in his sight. And what does the word say is pleasing in his sight? Himself. So what he's working in us is to become like him. Number five. Participation. I think this is the one we all want to jump to. The ones I've talked about in some ways are, the last two are the harder ones. They're really hopeful, they're awesome. But this one we're like, yeah, I want to do this stuff. Or on the other side, there's a few of us that go and say, you know, how do I do it? They're, that's too big for me. That's, that's outrageous. So. This really is to answer that question, how? How do you participate? How do you healthily step into something that's not self-dependent, that's not just trusting in your old worldview? How do you actually participate with God, with the relationship, with the place he gives? How do you participate with the, what he's working in you through you? How do we participate with God's heart? Because God's heart to love us and believe and dream doesn't start just with another person. It starts with us. But then, it doesn't stay on us. It becomes about another person very quickly because you can't have a completed work without giving it. The truth is, is his heart sometimes will speak a message that we're not ready to receive by showing us through another person. And as he does that as we participate with it, we can step into exemplifying God without even understanding the lesson. Because we'll see, man, what that person needs, what that person really like really is crying out for is this thing of God. And you'll say it, or you'll do it, and you'll be like, dang. Hmm. I don't really believe that, or I don't know how I said that. I don't know what the, how I represented that. It's like It's easier for me to do it for another person, but it's not as easy for me to do it for myself. And it's actually a lesson that then turns back inward and grows us more. But as we're participating with that heart, we do exemplify God, but then we show others the impact of God. But then, you know what we start becoming? We become influencers. The truth is, how many people in here are influencers? Guess what? Everybody in here is an influencer. That means that somebody looks to you and you can do some impact in their life. There is some place that you can change their perspective. There is some place that you can make them either have a good day or a bad day. There is some place that they are going to ask you a question and you have an answer. There is some place where you have a voice. Everybody is an influencer to someone. And to be an influencer is not to be perfect, but it's to be in process. Remember we just talked about being a parent, right? When you start being a parent, the first thing you recognize is you were never prepared to be a parent. In that same way, when we enter into these different relationships of influence and we start walking them out, the first thing you start recognizing is I wasn't prepared for this the truth is is that it's not about us being perfect you can never make yourself perfect enough that's why we have to be empowered by Christ but you can be in process and there's many kinds of influencers right there's parents teachers friends neighbors which by the way take take advantage of that place where we're gonna have those those Easter eggs it gives you the opportunity, really, to interact with somebody. There's, there's enemies. Your enemies can influence you, too. I mean, it's just reality. Acquaintances, bosses, coworkers, they're all influencers. To be an influencer is not to be perfect, but it is to be in your process. Do you guys know what another word for influencer is? Anybody? Huh? Yes, a leader. A mentor. The reality is that, as I said, everybody in here is an influencer that makes everybody in here a leader to someone. That you guys all have it in you to affect somebody in a positive way that looks like Christ. Will it be a place that we just build ourselves to? Or will it be a place that we actually get to participate and be filled fully with God? And how many people do we want to take on that life raft? See, if it was a place we just built ourselves to, it would just be a project. But when we all know that Christ represents, he represents life to all of us, and it's something abundant and more than we ever believed. So, now I said, how do we participate? Can you switch over to Isaiah? Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Precarious, right? Really strange I'm choosing this in the middle of this. How do you participate? The first thing that you do in participating, and I'm doing the very abridged version. Somehow I spent a lot of the equity of our time on something. But is that you see God. God. You see where he's moving. You hear him. You see what he's doing. So be that, let's just use the situation of, like, I don't know, like here at Glenfair. At Glenfair, we are moving more towards discipleship. We're moving more towards relationship. We're moving more towards impacting our community. And, but also, we can't do that without simultaneously being more impactful and relational with each other. So those who have been hidden will be seen. Those who have been lost will be held. Those who are afraid will be encouraged. And the truth is is that where that, that gets scary is, is that we see God doing that because that's what God does for us, right? But then it, it starts revealing his heart. And as I see where God is moving, it starts revealing a heart of a God who loves in a way that I'm afraid of. He loves in a way that challenges me to the more. And if I'm not careful, it's really easy for that heart to convict me and say, maybe I've done it wrong. Maybe it's not enough. Maybe this is saying that I've not invested right. And I'm not going to say either which way with that. I'm not God. I can't tell you. But the truth is, is we're easier to be offended and, and judge where we've been rather than continue to press forward and look where we're going. The truth is, is that as we see his heart, we start seeing something. We start seeing a need. And that need cries out. It says, it's like, whom shall I send? There is a need for somebody. There's a need right in this moment. We need each other. There's people here who need encouragement. There's people here who need help with identity. There's people here who need the kick in the butt to get challenged. There's some people here who are totally 100% ready, but they don't know where. There's, There's a place where there's addictions. They need help sobering up. There's people who just need love. And some of us need a place to love either which way, we see a need, but the final part is not just to see a need, it's not just to see a heart, and not just to see God, but take responsibility and say, I will fill it. It's not a magical place where all of a sudden God will raise up a whole situation where we're magically every time going to be in exactly where he fits us. He brings an invitation, he shows you a position and gives you an offer, Because he's a gentleman. And then he asks you, what will you do? He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's an invitation. As we look forward, I want you guys to think, where is God saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? if there is a place where you have not been discipled, where there's a bunch of people who have not been discipled who are going to start that process, talk to us. Maybe it's a time for discipleship. Maybe it's a time for growth. Maybe it's a time of stretching. Maybe it's a time for you to see the God who's implemented in you, who's been hoping for you, who's been dreaming for you, who's been trying to bring you into more of a relationship. Those of you who see a need, is God asking to send you Is God asking you to fill the need? Because there is needs. There's needs in service. There's needs in the church. There's needs in the individual's lives in this room. The truth is, is that we've waited for a lifetime, some of us, to be in the moment to be fully used by God. What will our choice be? Those who have been given to meet our needs are quite a few people so far. And the truth is is that it splits into those who will be discipled, those who see a need and want to fill those needs, and then there are some people to, who have been given to lead. And those people who have been given to lead are awesome. They've chosen to step up. And I just say I'm blessed to have them. As we go forward in this next series, it's going to be about different leaders. The truth is is that I'm my own personality. I'm very bold, I'm wild. When we look at Jesus, he flipped tables and he would challenge the norm and he challenged all these places. But is that the only kind of leader that's out there? No. The truth is is that we wanna be a family that represents the multifaceted Christ that we're serving, amen? And the truth is I can't do it alone. You can't receive it alone. And as we go forward to even meet Christ and serve him, we'll be going through a series where Jack Seeley will preach, Tim will preach, Brother John and Demi will preach. It's like, and we'll even have Muana preach, who is the pastor of the other service. Because what I want you to see is, even though that there is an ideal of what a leader is, the actual playing out of Christ, who is the ultimate leader, is so dramatically different. And just like that, you are a leader to someone. You are a leader somewhere. And where you say, I don't fit the mold, I challenge you to say you don't know what the mold is. Join me in prayer as we just pray for all of us to have that light lit inside of us. Lord, I pray right now that even more this challenge continues to go forward, I pray for hope over people. I pray for your presence over people. I pray for Facebook world where you are seeking to touch people. You're seeking to be with people, Lord. You're seeking to know them. You're seeking to show yourself to them, Lord. I pray that we would be vessels of your love, Lord. I pray that our boundaries would be expanded moment by moment to eternity with you, Lord. I pray that our definitions would be undone, Lord. I pray that we would surrender even in this place, like, to the place that you've called us. Lord, you have given our family a name. And the truth is is that, you know, we're going to stumble, we're going to make mistakes. But the truth also is, is that you are greater, that your grace continues to pour out, that you continue to seek, you continue to touch. And as you're doing that, Lord, I just pray those who are crying out to see it in a different way would have the courage to do it. That pass their pride, pass their fear, pass this place that doesn't even have a context for what that looks like, they would take the chance. And Lord, I pray for those who are judging that they would actually see what maybe God's trying to stir in them is a responsibility. A responsibility to be something a responsibility to be to a generation. Maybe he's calling them forward into a placement, Lord. I pray that they would see their place rather than their judgment, Lord. I pray that even for us in in here right now in this moment, that as you are showing us needs, Lord, that we would not see our judgment, but rather we would see your cry for those placements. And maybe, Lord, I would pray that you would show us That maybe you're actually asking us, who will go? My heart is crying out. Who will go? Lord, and I pray ultimately that we continue to pray every day for the leaders. For refreshment, peace, encouragement. Lord, because it's hard. It's hard some days. And Lord, I just pray that as we go forward and we see the multifacetedness of you, that it would change our hearts to see that our Christ is so much better than any other Savior. Pray these things in your name. Amen.